Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoicing in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. As you're preparing to take your seats, help me introduce the title for today's message. Everyone say, A Loving, loving community. community. You may take your seats. A Loving Community. For those of you that are new with us in this series, this is our series entitled, This Is Us. As we are speaking through the vision of our church. And I wanna put it up again, I wanna keep this before us. I hope that this will be etched into our hearts, into our minds so that we, members of Emmanuel, know where it is that we're going. Reminder, vision does not say exactly who we are now but it's the aspiration of who we are becoming. And so, vision of our church reads as such, a community of Christ followers being transformed by the word, inspired by love, impacting the world. I'll read it again. A community of Christ followers being transformed by the word, inspired by love, impacting the world. Now first, we open this series up, we discuss the idea of community, that there is this shared connection of one with another, 
that this is not just something that we consume, but this is also something that we give back to. We are a part of community together. That's what makes it work. And we're not just any community. We're a community of Christ followers. You can say Christians, but we were being very intentional to make sure you understood we are the ones who follow Christ. Christ becomes our pattern. We share the gospel. That's a huge piece of what it means to follow Christ. We want to tell others about the good news. And we recognize that we are being, this is intentional, it's a participle. It is not, we are still yet in process of being transformed. We are consistently being transformed. And if we're not careful, we can be transformed by a variety of things. We're not saying we are transformed by all of those things, but we are being intentionally transformed by the word of God. Meaning that we should be studying the word of God, reading the word of God, participating in the community's places of biblical study, because this is the place of transformation. And I said it last week, this is a gift because now we can actually start living the, the life that we're supposed to, the, the faithful life, truthfully. Because so often I believe that we have conformed to Christ as opposed to being transformed by Christ. The difference is conformity means I'm good at it for a little while. I can hold my tongue for a little while. I can act like a Christian for a little while. But then my real self shows up. And our real self should actually be the self that looks more and more like Christ. But that happens with transformation from the very substance of who we are. And we believe that this is possible. This is what we are becoming. But in the process of this transformation, especially by the word of God, we are also being inspired by love. Everybody say inspired by love. Inspired. I remember I had a friend who... Um, we went to church together, he went to church for years, and he struggled. He actually struggled with homosexuality. He remembered, like, we grew up together, we went through all of this, and he would come to church, and, you know, of course, you know, we have the Bible, we, we believe what the Bible says, we believe that certain things are right, certain things are wrong. And he ran into one of the youth leaders at the time, and she was an amazing biblical scholar. When I tell you, if there was something in the Bible, she knew it. She knew how to get there. However, the way that she applied it was damaging for him. It wasn't that she wasn't speaking truth. She wasn't speaking truth in love. So as much as he would show up, as much as he would be there, he was constantly bombarded with hateful truth. And sadly enough, I believe that the image of the Christian church has become far more hateful truth than loving truth. We're not saying we need to move away from truth, but how we apply truth should also represent the same one who gave us the truth. Thus, we should always be looking for others to bring in to the fold to understand the truth of God. But how we do so is equally important. So we will have conversations. And let me be very clear, I wasn't where I am now then. 
And he and I would have conversations and he would tell me of his struggles and there are times when I too applied the word unlovingly. Hurt him. He stopped going to church. He stopped caring about the faith. I looked him up a while back and things had greatly changed for him because nobody lovingly came alongside. So we've redeveloped relationship, slowly but surely trying to figure out what this means. And although I can lift up him and his very particular situation, I imagine if I was to do a poll of the church, many of you know people just like this. For whatever their reason, there are individuals who they would say they love Jesus. They are open to the message of Jesus. However, it is the people who claim his name that they most run into. And I want to be very clear, I'm not trying to tell you that the church is ever going to be perfect. You will get your feelings hurt as long as you are interacting with other people. Dare I say, if you was all by yourself, you would figure out a way to hurt your own feelings. This is consistent just in life. But Paul now is writing and he's recognizing that there is something that is happening in this developing community. Nothing like this had existed before. In this Roman culture, as much as there were all these different type of people, they were really good about being their type of people with only their type of people. I'll say that again. In this Roman culture, there was some overarching things, but people had developed a really good way of being their type of people with only their type of people. Therefore, when the church now begins to develop and there are all these differing types of people called to follow the same Christ and do it together, well, guess what? They run into some issues. They run into some challenges. And they run into some of the same things that we see now. But I believe, I really do, I believe Paul is painting a picture of what a loving community looks like. Everybody say loving community. And he says, like, if you really can grab a hold to this with the transformation that is available by the renewing of your mind, you can be something that nobody has ever seen before. You actually can live in ways that will be so peculiar, peculiar, that people will look at you and be like, what is wrong with y'all? How are y'all able to do this? Because something is happening on the inside. So Paul starts it this way. He says, let me help you. Because as you start coming together, God has graced me and given me the authority under that grace to say this. Let me warn you. Don't think you are better than you really are. Said a different way, it says, don't think too highly of yourself. That one of the obstacles to a loving community is actually our own personal ego and the gift that God has graced us with. So we walk in acting like since God has gifted me, I approach everybody else like they are 
less than who I am. Oh, come on, don't, don't look at me like that. Some of y'all might be the diva Christians around. I get it. You walk in and you like, you know, I'm saved for real. I am here now. Church can start because I brought the Spirit of God with me. Right? Paul recognizes this and says one of the first things about a loving community is that we all need to come in and be humble. Everybody say humble. Paul was starting to recognize that the grace of God and people's own egos were starting to mix in such a way that people were walking around as if they deserved the grace of God. And they were carrying in the mindset from outside of the church into the church that we need this hierarchy of who's who within the church. They will walk around, well, you know I'm real good at this, or I can do this, or I have this. They were gifted by God, but now they were walking as if that gifting from God was something that made them special over other people. In fact, I was listening, you know, I was, you know, I struggle with, I'll be honest, I struggle with social media, right? And I struggle with it because it just ain't for me, right? Like, I just, that's just not how I live my life, personally, right? I don't, but anyway, as, I'm, I'm, as I keep trying, because I know my children are developing, I want to be able to love them, whatever. So I'm on social media. <laughs> not whatever to the loving them, but like the fact that I got to go through this to love them. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm watching, and I watched this video of this guy get up, and he gave the definition for humility. The definition he gave was to think low of oneself, to not think highly of oneself. And then he said, why would anybody or should anybody do that? Why should I walk around thinking low of myself or not too highly of myself? I can understand his line of logic. I can understand his syllogism, especially for groups of people who have historically been suppressed and oppressed, made to think that they are bad. I get it. But I also heard what the enemy was doing behind it. I heard that now we're getting puffed up and built up because we consistently start thinking about the self. We walk around with the ego, the ego is me. It's all about me. Thus, we come to church as if it's all about us. And Paul, watching this, says, I want you, I want to I I warn you. I want to help you. Don't think better of yourselves than you really are. And that's not because you're not good. Because God loves you. The fact that God loves you is really all you need. The fact that God is willing to call you my child, the fact that God is saying you are part of me, you are as high as you need to be. There is nothing greater that you can get. The challenge comes in is when I can only understand myself as in my superiority or inferiority to somebody else. We get into the comparison game, and if I am not better than you, then I don't feel that I'm good. And if I could be honest, that's really why I don't like social media. It becomes the quickest measure for my life. All my friends look like they living like this, and so I measure myself up against them, and then I wonder why I'm sad. 
And I've said it again and again, all of social media ain't even true. Folks been holding them pictures for months, for years. They posting like they out again. And you know, I saw that picture before. You sure have, because they're trying to portray a view of themselves. Right? We want to create the persona we want to be. But then we take that internally and we start walking around like, man, everybody life better than mine. Man, they're getting, they getting ahead of me. This person has learned scripture more, right? And, and, and I'm coming down the church street. Like, have you ever thought how you would respond if one of the people just randomly gave you a microphone during worship service and say, can you pray for the church? And folks would be like, God, we just want to thank you for uh, everything you do. And we'll say stuff like this. Watch this, watch this. I'm not the one that prays. See, they got other people that pray real good here. Measurement, right? Oh, I'm not the one that should do that, right? And, and Paul says, we got to an answer for that. That everybody is actually not given the same gift. This means as gifting is related, if there's an expectation that everybody in the community can do everything the same way, we've missed the actual truth of community. That the community means that there will be people that can do one thing better than another thing. But it doesn't matter what my thing is, if everyone in the community is actually doing their thing, then the community has all the community needs. But the community goes lacking because we start to vault only certain types of gifts and not all the gifts. We want the gift that's up front. We want the gifts that gets the notoriety. You act like you really want to be pastor and preacher. Can I tell you, you don't want this life. Let me be honest. I don't want this life. But I know it's a gift. And I would be undone, not living into the gift that God has given me. But not only do we need to be humble, God says, I need you humble because guess what? You're actually gifted. Everybody say gifted. Paul has done such a great job, whether you go to 1 Corinthians 12 or you're here, 1 Corinthians 13, right? There's all this list, and I want you to know that this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit of God. But there are a variety of them. They're all so different. And God is literally calling us to utilize the gifting that we have. Now, some of these gifts we hear all the time. But I was amazed at how many we rarely ever hear about. Like, we don't talk about prophecy as much in the church. And sometimes for good reason, I've had folks come to prophesy to me. I don't know if y'all have ever been around church for a while and somebody roll up on you like, oh, God told me to tell you. I always take that with a grain of salt, right? However, watch this. I take it differently when I have relationship than when I don't. Because community is about relationship. And I give somebody grace, like, you may have it wrong. We're, we're trying to figure these gifts out. But if I've never talked to you a day in my life, it is hard, and I can be very wrong. This is, this is a Jasonism. I want to be very honest. It is hard for me to believe that God has a message for me, and he's going to package it 
and a person I have never spoken to ever in my life as a way to get that message to me. At best, it could be confirmation for other messages I've heard, but it dang sure ain't gonna be the first time I heard this message because I don't even know you. God know me well enough. I got issues. I don't trust you. I don't. You are saying womp, 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 womp. Soon as you said, God told me to tell you, my mind says, shut this off because this is about to go crazy. But it also means that your gift can't be used if it's actually not connected. So if we don't do the hard work of relationship, then all of a sudden when God does gift you with something, your gift can't be recognized because it's all by itself. And God didn't gift you to be by yourself. God gifted you to be in community. And in community, things happen. So yes, you got to be okay with somebody getting on your nerves. Yes, you got to be okay with everybody don't talk the way you talk, think the way you think. In fact, that's the gift. Everybody shouldn't talk the way you talk, think the way you think. But when we're all able to do it, moving in the same direction, there's something special that happens. But that needs to be relational. And if we can't trust that each other cares, then all of a sudden now the gifting lays dormant. Imagine this. Imagine if your body wasn't connected. The liver disconnected from the body has no purpose. At best, you could freeze it and hope that it stays until it can go and do its function. Because its function can't happen not connected. It actually needs other blood vessels to keep it alive. So when it's disconnected, it begins to die. And the body begins to die because the body needs the liver. And so now we wonder why all we see is a whole bunch of death around the community because all of these things aren't living because we're not connected to each other. I, I get it, you don't get it. I, I wanna hit you with this. Some of your dissatisfaction in life is not your career goals. It is not your bank account. It is not all the stuff that you attain. It's that you're unsatisfied or dissatisfied. And you're dissatisfied because you're not living into purpose. And you can't live into purpose with the gifting if you're not connected to the community. And if you're not connected to the community, you can't live out all of the amazing things that you're supposed to do. And the very thing that you're trying to run away from is that very thing you should be running to because I guarantee you would be more fulfilled, more fulfilled, living into the trueness of the gifting that God has given you. Everything we need for the house is already in the house. He says prophecy, right? He talks about this. He talks about faith, right? He talks about serving others, right? Like, I've met some phenomenal people. Like, this is just what they do. In fact, I've benefited from them. One of, our, one of the amazing individuals was, was Deacon Ivan. When I first came, I didn't know it. Like, it was so foreign to me, I just knew he wanted something from me. I just, I'd never seen anybody serve like this. And then I recognized he did it for everybody. Then I was in my feelings because I, I thought I was special. <laughs> I thought he only did this for me, right? And then I say, wait, this is his gifting. And I get a chance to benefit from it. 
and it helped me better do what I needed to do. Imagine when that's the thing, encouraging others. Shouldn't the church be the place that you can come to and find somebody that encourages you? Find somebody that doesn't just see all the worst in you, but somebody else that sees that you're trying. I get that you messed up, but can I say I celebrate the fact that you try? Maybe you didn't make it all the way, but thank you for showing up. Thank you for giving it another try. Thank you for saying I'm going to try Jesus more than what I know. And as the pastor, I get to see some of this. Like I know individuals who've lost folks when they still show up in the middle of their brokenness, still here. And we may not recognize it. I've seen people lose their job, but they keep serving on ministries and they didn't walk away from it. I've seen people walk through divorce, but they say, I still want to make sure I'm in a place where I can serve God. I've seen it. And I want to encourage you. And not, and, not, and not treat like, you know, the church of yesteryear. You remember back in the day, like if you went through divorce, like the church almost excommunicated you. You can't do nothing at church. We, we barely want you to show up. We want to treat you like you are just ill-gotten goods. Then all of a sudden, like, everybody at church was divorced. And we were like, well, I guess you got to be able to serve. We need somebody. <laughs> well, what about if we were like, wait, even anybody, even people caught in the midst of their mistakes still needs a community where they can come and be loved. And loved back into the person and calling that God has for them. Everything we have is in the house. And so, I'm going to take this moment to do a PSA. We got opportunities to serve in the house. <laughs> and this is the thing, I love it. This is what I love about church people. We will come to the church and we'll see all the stuff that's wrong with the church. And we'll tell everybody else about the stuff that we see that's wrong with the church. Like, man, man, you know, they should really be doing this and they should be doing this. If I was there, I would have done this. But then you ain't never there. So then what we've actually become is church critics. Because we love to be able to point out what other people aren't doing because we really don't want the responsibility of having to do it ourselves. Because the harder work is not to talk about what ain't happening. The harder work is creating what could actually happen. So, quick PSA, uh, God has gifted some of y'all, and we got some positions that need your gifting, amen, um, and I want to put those uh, positions on the screen. I'm going to read through them right now, glory to God. Um, we need you, hallelujah, yes. Uh, we need somebody that could be an assistant treasurer. If you can't count, that ain't for you, all right? <laughs> if you broke, this ain't the time to be around the church's money, hallelujah, just be smart, right? But if you have this gifting, help the church. Let us do the things that we're doing. We need financial admin that goes along with the, the assistant treasurer role. We need a vice moderator so that our moderator can take a break if she needs to so that we have other people that can do it. And all moderator does is make sure that the business meeting flows. That means you also should have a good spirit um, and don't take personal when people are people because they're going to be people and somebody's going to ask a question in a way that get under your skin and you got to do better than me. Sometimes I'm really good, but sometimes it's showing my face that somebody didn't get on my last nerves because they said something. And you know how you got, that was, a dumb, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Look, I be trying not to have it. So pray for me because I'm still working. Um, we need a, a brotherhood director. That's over our men's ministry. We need somebody to help with our women's ministry. Church clerk, we need help with HR. We have a, an amazing uh, person there, but we need a team of individuals that can work. We need nominating. So 
people that help fill these roles. That whole team needs some help. Hallelujah. So we can find folks that can do stuff. We have a trustee. That's one that helps make sure that the uh, building and all the fiduciary responsibilities is taken care of. Stewardship, how we're utilizing resources and how we're creating opportunities for us to learn about that is that we need all of these positions on top of others. There's some that are not even listed here. And some of them you sit with. You could do this in your sleep. And some of this is your passion. So we need you. There, we'll, we'll put it up, it'll be online, we'll have individuals waiting to grab names. Sometimes you may not be willing to volunteer. So the person sitting next to you, if you know that that's the person and they ain't gonna volunteer, put their name in, amen. Tell them about it first though. Don't just throw them out there like that, like I didn't even tell you, but I put your name in the church. No, 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 don't do that. Talk to them first. But think about this, watch this. I don't think we recognize what it says when the community or somebody in the community says, I think so highly of you that I think that you could be this. Now real quick before I slide to the next thing, I promise I'm gonna get out of this, but I, I wanna be here for a moment. Connecting and working in the church is hard because you do know that there becomes more responsibility. Yes. Folks are going to actually start to expect you to look more like a Christian. I know that's hard. Like, you're like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> so when they mess up, I can't cuss them out. Yes, uh, that's exactly what we're saying. You cannot cuss everybody out when they mess up. <laughs> but more than just that, we're saying that this is actually a part of your spiritual development. The reason that God gave each of us gifts is because God knew that we would have to learn how to work them. And it's in working them with the community that we actually experience spiritual growth. I know this is, this, this is novel, I want you to hear me say this. Spiritual growth does not just happen from you reading the Bible and praying. Those are ingredients. But if you read the Bible and pray and do nothing with it, then what is the good of it? It is meant to transform you so then you go back into the community with these newfound transformations and are able to live out that which God has spoken, that's what God has given, so that community could be better. This is what loving community looks like. Okay, that was my plug. We're coming back to this. That's going to be online. There'll be a variety of places where you can figure it out. So, loving community, humble is gifted, and I know a variety of you have gifting, but last but not least is sincere. Everybody say sincere. sincere. Watch how, how Paul phrases this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And, and some of you, you remember the Mary J. Blige song, Real Love. I'm searching for a real love. I won't keep going, but <laughs> the idea is that we have started to parrot a whole bunch of fake love. We live in a culture and a time period where terms like love are so overused that we can barely understand what they really mean. And I remember, man, there's this, there's this absolutely phenomenal quote by American historian Daniel J. Uh, Borston, and he says, the greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance, but the illusion of knowledge. I think we've gotten to the point where we think we know love so much 
because we're not able to still learn deeper what love really is until we've been so hurt and broken and then we experience it for the first time and find out that all of our ideas about what love was have been cast away for something new. And here it is, we go back to an ancient text written thousands of years ago, yet we get brand new perspective about love. He says that one of the first things we need to move away from is this picture of love only being deep affection, as if love is just a feeling. When scripture is constantly showing us that love is action. It's action, you know this. And we can think about this rightly, right? Like if you think about the people that love you the most, whether it's a parent or a spouse, a friend, more often than not, you're going to equate that love with something they have been doing for you. They pick up the phone when you call, willing to be a listening ear. They were there when you failed and were willing to walk back with you. They always showed up. I remember my mom, she was like at everything. I don't know how she did it, but whether she was working or wasn't working, I knew if something went wrong, my mother was going to show up. That showed me what love was, and I depended on that. Therefore, love is not just a deep feeling. I dare say, if somebody was to walk up to you, and tell you they loved you, but there were no actions, you would probably doubt their love. And if you didn't doubt their love, you should. (laughs) To my single individuals, because we love you at our church, and I know we got a lot of married folk, but there's some of y'all that y'all out there single, y'all trying to find the next one. If what they say don't align with what they do, Believe what they do and not what they say. Because I can say a whole bunch, but what I do is telling you what it really means. If he don't, you better talk about it. You're like, you better preach, Pastor. If he don't never want to take you out, if she don't never want to take you out, if you never get calls during prime time, only nightline, that might be telling you. I'm just saying, right? Because love is action. Love is the people that we should be able to depend on. These are the folks that should show up when we need them. This is what love is. And it's sincere. And what the sincerity says, in fact, the, the, the Greek says, it is love without hypocrisy. It is love with no mask. It is not fake love hiding the truth of what I want. So even our actions, we can't do them to get something back. Man, I promise, this, if I had a chair, this would be talk show, right? I would sit down and be like, okay. How many times have we done something in expectation that somebody else would do something? And then when they didn't do something, we got angry at them, not because they ever promised to do something, but because the truth of our love was it was masking that we wanted something else. So when y'all went out to eat, you paid for the meal because you knew that was going to be the cheaper one, and your expectation was the next meal when it was going to be expensive, they was going to pay for it. 
And then when they didn't pay for it, you were like, see, because they don't even respect me. They don't even understand. No, you were using them. You masqueraded love for manipulation. And that's what church does. And so I stand as a representation of church for so many people who have been manipulated. That as much as we have gifts and everything, sometimes the church has used us. They didn't care that you were going through the worst situation of your life. They just kept saying, give more to us. Didn't care that you were lonely or all by yourself. Just said, give more to us. Didn't care that maybe you had been married and maybe your, your partner passed away. And where was the space of grace for you? As you're trying to understand God again. Love is not manipulation. And one of the things I will say about our community that we do phenomenally well is we show up in crisis. Somebody will make food, folks will show up, they'll drive you here, people will be there. And that should be, now this is where I'm I'm about to get in trouble, but I'm willing to take it as the pastor. That should not just be for people who've been here 30 years. So if you're new to Emmanuel, you may not know that there are some folks who've been in Emmanuel almost since Emmanuel started. And I'm glad about it. That's a great place. If you can be there that long, you done went through a whole bunch of stuff. But that's not the only picture of Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the both and. It is those who have just shown up that are giving of their lives and their gifts and those who have been there for a long time. It is a variety of ages. It's a variety of possibilities. And all of us should experience the gift of what it means to be a member of Emmanuel. So if you just join and you're here and you go through versus if you've been here a long time, all of us should benefit from the gift of being community. So love is sincere, not doing it, but it shows up in action. And look at these actions. I want to tell you what Paul says. It's, we hate what's wrong. We hold tight to what is good. We love each other with genuine affection. And we take delight in honoring other people. We excited when somebody else gets honored. We lift up their name. In fact, we just did that this week. We lifted up Minister Virginia Roberts for being social worker of of, of the amazing men. Amen. And that should be the community that we do, that we want to keep doing things just like that. But watch this. Never be lazy. But we work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We rejoice in confident hope. We're patient in trouble and we keep on praying. When God's people are in need, we are ready to help them. And we always are eager to practice hospitality. We are trying to be community. And so I recognized as I was going through this, right, that we need to be humble, that we need, that we're gifted, that that we need to be sincere, that God did not require anything of us that God had not already done. I was blown away when I started to think about this. As as great and as lifted up as God is, Jasmine mentioned it earlier, God was willing to humble himself and come to earth, wrap himself in flesh, to live amongst each of us in the person of Jesus. 
I can't fathom what it's like going from all of eternity to living in this type of reality. I can't imagine what it was like having angels at your beck and call and now have to walk amongst people who treat you like you ain't who you really are. Can you imagine being part of all of creation? You were there when the sun got hung up. You remember high-fiving God and saying, look at what you did. And now you come to that very creation and they treat you like you mean nothing? I have a problem if I show up someplace that I helped a few times and they act like they don't know who I am. He says that, does this and then provides gift, provides gifts. That Jesus comes to earth and the gift that he gives is himself. Scripture tells us that for our own sins, for our own destitution, for how messed up we are, that he was willing to take that pain upon his shoulders. And I want you to hear what this really means. This means for all the moments where you felt down and low. For all the moments where you knew the truthfulness of who you really were and you saw yourself as the real messed up person you are, Jesus came for that. He came even when you didn't know. And you were the perpetrator of somebody else's brokenness. And we don't talk about that in church, right? We talk about what people have done to us. But what about the times that we've done to others? When we were the voice or we are the voice in their head that is constantly breaking them down. That the only person that we talk to like this sometimes, especially, are our children. And they develop these terrible senses of self because we've been so unhappy. We've made them unhappy. And Jesus came for that too. That Jesus came to take all of our mess upon his shoulders. Didn't wait for us to do anything, ask for anything, be anything. Took it. And scripture said it was sincere. That he didn't fake it, that when the time came, that he didn't fight anybody that came his way, but without a mumbling word allowed them to place him on a cross and gave his life for us. He didn't just give it. Scripture says that he laid in the grave. That the very one that is life laid in a place of death that we might have life. That's the sincerity that God gave. But his life was so amazing that it overflooded death. Can you imagine that? That God planted life into death and even death couldn't hold on to it no more. That life started to bubble up and death was like, no, 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 that's not what happens here. See, this is the place where people come and stay and nothing else happens. But when Jesus entered into that space and life was planted there, all that could happen was that life began to bubble up and over. And now individuals, whenever they experience death again, now can be given the very life that Jesus has. So now eternal life becomes available for every single one of us because God planted life into death and if God can take over death if God can make death lose 
If God can wipe away the worry of what happens when I take my last breath, if God can tell me that there's someplace better that I go, if God can say there's an ability for me to go over the Jordan, if God can say there are streets that are paved with gold, if God can say there's a way for you to walk with mansions that are yours, if God could take over death, there's nothing in life that we got to worry about because we have a God that loves us that much. And that's why the community is loving. We're not loving because we're so amazing. We're loving because we have been loved. So I pray that you see, that you experience, and that you want to join a loving community. Pray with me.